Hello, and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring the latest on WHO's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse. From the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This episode is the first of four, focusing on flagship areas for WHO Europe. In the coming weeks, we'll talk about behavioural and cultural insights, mental health, digital health and immunisation. These flagships are priority areas for WHO Europe in the coming years. This series is about explaining why these are priorities and how they might impact the work already being done in your country. This week we focus on behavioural and cultural insights. How does a better understanding of masculinity help us to create better mental health policies? How does a culture-centred approach to health literacy improve knowledge about sexual and reproductive health in Iranian and Afghan minority groups in Sweden? And why don't enough people in Romania get vaccinated? Behavioural and cultural insights is a fairly new field in global health, and it's believed by utilising these insights we can answer these questions and design more effective health policies. Today, I speak with Katrina Habersat, Nils Feature, and Anastasia Kuliu about behavioural and cultural insights and how they can be used to tailor health to specific communities and contexts in our region. I started by asking Katrina for an introduction to behavioural and cultural insights. For success in tackling some of the region's most pressing health problems, people need to lead healthier lives and they need to better utilise the services, the health services that are offered to them. And for that to happen, we believe that health, that health authorities need to engage, listen to and understand the communities they serve and to respond to user needs in their policy service delivery and health communication. And to do that, they need to embrace disciplines outside of the biomedical sphere. So what we will do in the Insights Unit will be to uh, support member states to apply such disciplines to explore and understand people's barriers and drivers to healthy practices. And and those barriers and drivers can be cultural, social, uh, behavioral, psychological, sometimes they're individual, very often they're um, structural and they relate to health services and health systems. And we will do that with a focus on the critical health challenges of the region and with a focus particularly on the complex barriers that are faced by people and communities experiencing disadvantage. So, Nils, how do behavioural and cultural insights work? So that's a big, uh, big question. But um, as Katrine says, population health kind of increasingly relies on the degree to which individuals and communities adopt healthy lifestyles um, and trust and use the health services. So one of the things that the insights unit is, I think, particularly focused on is uh, helping member states to focus on the people's perspective. Um, and I think the way that uh, that we envisage that happening is is obviously by um, using the, the kind of more traditional um, quantitative um, methods that WHO is, is, is very, very used to. And, and we are already doing that in some of the behavioral insights um, country surveys that we're, we're running for um, in relation to COVID. But we're also thinking very seriously about using qualitative uh, and more holistic um, methods of understanding people's perspectives as well. And, and that could take the, uh, the um, role of, of kind of looking at 
focus groups, but it can also um, include things like looking at historical backgrounds and, and, and using more qualitative research that um, anthropologists perhaps uh, um, are more used to providing. Um, and the idea is that we, uh, we, we end up producing kind of four pillars in, uh, for, for the insights unit. One, one of those is, is evidence, as I said just now, drawing on the evidence and testing and evaluating it, disseminating good practice and so forth. Um, another pillar will be looking at context, the, the kind of socially nuanced and culturally sensitive, people-centered health insights. Um, and we also want to um, try and, and, and take those insights to scale, scaling up interventions with proven impacts. Um, and finally, uh, looking at the way that we can work in partnership with uh, with other collaborators, with experts, transformers, uh, colleagues, and, and, and even critics. So this evidence is clearly valuable in explaining behaviour. Anastasia, do you have any examples of behavioural and cultural insights in action? So we could, we could take an example of health literacy. A number of countries in the European region are implementing a health literacy approach, including in the context of non-communicable diseases or health through the life course. And this approach consists in assessing people's competencies, needs and difficulties to engage in, in healthy behaviors or to use a health service. And then to develop often together with the relevant community or group, a tailored solution. And for example, in Sweden, young women from Iranian and Afghan minority groups are provided with uh, specific information sessions to improve their knowledge and capacities related to sexual and reproductive health. And being a very sensitive issue, the topic is presented by a social professional coming from the same ethnic group and speaking the same language, which facilitates a lot the communication and understanding. Providing information around matters which may be culturally sensitive is one thing. But Katrina, what about issues where people are regularly made aware of the benefits, like immunisation? Can behavioural and cultural insights help here as well? Another example might be from, from vaccination and from Romania, where we did first one survey that showed that parents were not completely happy with the services that were offered to them in relation to vaccination. We then did an in-depth observation study that allowed us to observe vaccination consultations in clinics that served vulnerable communities. And that allowed us to identify really what the issues were in relation to, for instance, the information provided, um, inviting questions from parents, uh, providing uh, the, the necessary information about the, the vaccines, but also about uh, comforting the child and applying uh, pain mitigation techniques. And so now we have a clear understanding of what the issues are. And we're working on various interventions to address those challenges. And we're also evaluating which of those interventions are the most uh, effective. So we know that behavioural and cultural insights can help improve access to and uptake of important health interventions. But Nils, what about seemingly abstract issues like societal pressures and their influence on things like mental health? Um, the Insights Unit also recently published a, uh, um, a scoping review um, which explores how the way that the notion of, of what it means to be a man, or sometimes referred to as masculinities, is culturally and, and socially constructed and, and how this can have uh, an effect on men's well-being um, and men's willingness to seek help in relation to their mental health. 
So the report stresses the importance for policymakers to be aware of and, and honest about um, prevailing cultural norms of masculinity in diverse groups of men. Uh, and in order to provide uh, effective, tailored interventions for mental health promotions. So, for instance, in the Russian Federation, um, the Altai Regional Crisis Center for Men explicitly sets out to challenge certain traditional masculinities and ideals. Um, I think the aim of the center is to preserve, uh, maintain and, and restore the mental and social health of, of boys and men living in the Altai region. How widespread are cultural and behavioral insights in health? So we know behavioral and cultural insights are already being successfully applied. And there are lots of examples uh, from smoking cessation, road safety, substance abuse, sexual and reproductive health, vaccination, nutrition and much more. That's absolutely right, Anastasia. Actually, we know that there are um, proven methods and theoretical models and this field is already well acknowledged. In practice, however, the potential is far from harnessed. And it really is my impression and our impression that the national health programs and health authorities in our region are rarely using such methods as routine measures. And, and I think one of the other key insights that, uh, that we're learning about um, and that we're re realizing within the um, WHO European region is already being utilized in many member states is this idea that uh, um, cultural uh, activities can actually have an important health effect. Um, so we recently published a, um, a scoping review on, on this subject that found that arts and health can have a substantial um, health, a positive health uh, effect. Um, and we're now looking at ways in which we can harness that potential um, that, as I said, already exists in, in, in many member states to see whether or not we can roll it out across uh, other uh, countries um, in the WHO region. So it's clear that behavioural and cultural insights have already made an impact, but have so much more to offer. Katrina explained a bit more about why WHO's Regional Office for Europe is placing so much attention on this area. Placing such focus and prioritising this field of work to the degree that the regional office is doing now with this new flagship project, uh, for us shows an organisation that is constantly evolving and learning and willing to seek all opportunities and facets to support member states ensure healthy lives for their citizens, leaving no one behind. Here's what else has been going on around the WHO European region. 1.5 million pieces of personal protective equipment have been delivered to the Republic of Moldova. This is part of the EU-funded Solidarity for Health initiative, which is delivering vital supplies to health workers across the region. And finally, WHO Europe recently marked World Breastfeeding Week. Breastfeeding helps ensure the best start to life for infants across our region. You can find out more about this campaign and the work WHO and partners are doing to promote breastfeeding on our social media channels and the WHO Europe website. That's all we have time for this week. Special thanks to Katrina Halbersat, Niels Feature, and Anastasia Koliu for speaking to us about behaviour and cultural insights. If you're interested in finding out more, visit our website euro.who.int and follow us on Twitter at WHO underscore Europe, Facebook at WHO Europe and Instagram lowercase at WHO Europe. We'll return to behavioural and cultural insights at this year's regional committee, taking place virtually from the 14th to 15th of September.
Follow the event online on our website and via our social media channels using the hashtag RC70Europe. This episode of Health in Europe was produced by David Barrett. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.